There's a conspiracy afoot that's pulling the world into darkness. Information is the new battlefield. Propaganda, disinformation, and media manipulation dominate the minds of the public. Join us on the Dark to Light Show as we remove the head of the snake and expose media censorship, social and cultural engineering, and the unfolding global conspiracy of the New World Order. Well, welcome to the Dark Delight Show. My name is Josh. I hope everybody is having a fantastic day. And uh, man, you know, as we push forward, as we move forward together as Americans in the United States of America, and the, the freest country that apparently has ever survived in this world, we're reminded of those subtle little things that bring us together, that make us human, that make us American, right? And one of those is the sanctitude of elections. <laughs> you guys know where I'm going with this. Ding dong, the witch is dead, right? Um, speaking of Liz Cheney there, she will, uh, she will not be on the, uh, the ballot this coming November. And she has been ousted. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, Kirk Elliott, it doesn't look like Kirk would uh, join us this morning. I think he had a, a prior engagement, so no worries on that. In the sense of the economic update, though, oh my goodness, what is going on with the economy these days? We have uh, stocks have uh, slid. Uh, we have the S&P down 1%, the Dow down almost 1%, the NASDAQ down almost 1.5%, the Russell down 2%. And uh, yeah, th- this is what I call the teeter-totter to totalitarianism. And it occurs with the economy. It, it occurs with political rhetoric, right? Is that you have this uptrend and then this bad downtrend. Uptrend, bad downtrend. Uptrend, downtrend. And this goes back and forth until eventually it comes to a, a head. It comes to a head and begins to cry. Oh, oh actually, I just got a notification. We got, we got Dr. Kirk Elliott with us. Dr. Kirk Elliott, what's up, man? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you, Josh? I'm doing fantastic. I'm glad you could join us. So I was just giving an update on what the what was going on with the economy, but, you know, <laughs> I'd rather you talk about it. Well, it, it's just absolutely wild. So, I mean, just this morning before, before this show, um, Biden signs into law the inflation reduction bill, right? Mm-hmm. Worst misnamed bill, I think, ever, because it should be called the insurance Cre- or the the inflation creation bill. I mean, everything that's in there is is devastatingly bad for the economy. So, it's a four hundred and sixty eight billion dollar bill, of which over three hundred and sixty billion is earmarked for clean energy and and stuff like that. So, so whatever whenever you have a bill that has clean energy in it, what does that do? It causes energy prices to go up. I mean, so. As if energy prices weren't high enough already, <laughs> they're going to get worse. Um, but then there's stuff that 15% um, tax minimum on companies that make over a billion dollars a year. So a lot of these companies that make over a billion dollars a year, and I'm just exposing some of the holes in the tax system, right? But but it's the reality of what we live in. But like Amazon, for example, they make over a billion, so they're going to have a minimum tax of 15%. Well, let's say their net effective tax is close to zero because they do a bunch of offshore stuff or write-offs or whatever. Well, if they have to pay a minimum of 
what's going to happen to the prices of everything we get from Amazon? It's going to go up 15%, right? They're not going to have their margin squeezed through taxation. So that's going to cause prices to go up. But here's the killer of this bill, and it's a doozy. And there's so they're expecting to make $760 billion in revenue over the next decade, of which almost $170 billion of it is from what? Increasing IRS stuff. So this is why they hired 87,000 IRS agents, and they're expecting to get, you know, $175 billion in increased tax revenue from audits and things of that nature. It's like, hmm, wonder who they're going to audit, Josh. I wonder. I mean, they, they're not saying, but, but man, everything that they're doing in this bill is so inflationary. Um, it just strikes fear into the hearts and minds of people. They're, they're going to get more and more government revenue just through taxation, which is why they hired all these agents. I mean, it, it's just bad policy. And it barely passed the Senate, 51 to 50, um, passed the House a little bit more, but, but it followed party lines. And then, and then Biden ratified it. You know, he signed it into law. So it's like, oh, my word, this just happened. And, and it's possibly one of the worst bills for, that we've seen in a long, long time because it's going to make inflation worse when they claim it's going to make it better. But it will not. Right. And, and we had the, the COP report, which is a committee in Congress made up of all Democrats who didn't provide in a timely manner the summary analysis of the bill, but they provided it right before the vote. And what it showed is that people making under $200,000 a year are going to pay the blunt of those taxes in the Inflation Reduction Act. And so, you know, Jean-Pierre, when she said that there's going to be no new taxes from this bill, she was right because they're not creating any new taxes for people making less than 400000 but it is raising taxes for people who who are middle class and people who make under $200,000. Right. I mean, they, <laughs> the nuance of the language um, that we're getting from messaging out of this, this um, administration is insane. Like last week, what did, what did Biden say? And, and it was the most obscene thing he's ever said about, about the economy. He said, hey, everybody, I've got a number for you. It's zero. Zero is the inflation rate for July. <laughs> it's like, okay, where, where's this one going, right? And so he, said, so he said, some prices are going up, some prices are coming down, the net effect is zero. It's like, oh my word, seriously, I, don't, I, I hate to be rude, but it's like the, one of the most moronic statements I've ever heard. Because even his own people, the Bureau of Labor Statistics said inflation in July was 8.5%. So how did he come up with zero? So if in his methodology, in his own little mind there, he's, he's thinking, well, uh, if some prices are going up and some prices are coming down, this was his explanation, not mine. I'm just repeating what he said. Um, it, that's the net effect is zero. There's no inflation. Well, so I'll tell you what's going up, Josh, and I'll tell you what's coming down. What's going up is the price of eggs, up 49% year-to-date. The price of used cars, up 40% year-to-date. The price of gas, the gas pump, doubled since Biden came, right? The price of everything, aluminum, steel, copper, wheat, corn, they're all up to like 50, 60%. Don't tell me inflation's at eight and a half when, when it's, it's really up at least 25 to 30%, right? But what's coming down? The stock market's coming down. The bond market's coming down. And now real estate is coming down because of the rising rate. So there is stuff that's coming down, 
sadly for all of us, it's investment type stuff and everything that's going up in price is everything we spend money on. But for him to say inflation is zero in July was just astronomically just a lame statement. Well, you, you know, Kirk, one thing that I do, and this is what I've done for the last decade when looking at the financial markets, is I look at people who have, have been right in their predictions, who typically operate at a high-level capacity on the institution level within the economic system. One of those people is Michael Burry. Um, people might remember him from the movie Big Short. That movie was uh, dedicated to the 2008 financial collapse. Michael Burry of Scion Capital is one in 2006, 2007, who was yelling and screaming about the uh, credit default swaps and how they were going to crash the market because these bonds were rated AAA, which they really weren't. Um, and he went out and shorted the whole market, went to the institution, shorted them, and made billions off this. Um, just the other day, it came out, he posted uh, on Twitter, net consumer credit balances are rising at record rates as consumers choose violence rather than cut back on spending in the face of inflation. Remember the savings glut problem? No more. COVID helicopter cash taught people to spend again, and it's addictive. Winter is coming. Not only that, is in the end of quarter two, he took Scion Capital's entire portfolio and sold it off. Everything, except for one buy, which was an investment company in Florida that invests in private prisons. So his investment company only is holding one stock right now, and that's a private prison. And he sold off Amazon, Google, and everything else. What are your thoughts on this? Boy. Um, so here's the thing. Wealthy people like these billionaires that we're talking about, they're going to do everything they can do to continue making money. It, it's like, I, I equate it to like when, when um, Berkshire Hathaway, you know, you look at, you look at the founder there, you look at what they're doing. You look at the founder of Tesla, right? And Elon Musk, you, you look at what Warren Buffett and he are doing. They're selling off shares of their own company. Why? Is it mm -hmm. because they don't believe in their company? No. They believe in their company. They believe they have great products. They just don't believe that Americans are going to be able to afford to buy stuff, right? So, so whenever you see moves like that, you have to think they're in it for their own self-preservation. Um, and they're not viewing the economy moving forward as anything good, right? And, and what they're buying into also tells you what they think will actually succeed, right? So, so – when you look at what private prisons, you look at things like that. It's like, well, man, what what are they and what do they know that we don't know, right? Because they're they're investing a lot of their billions of dollars in some of these things, and we just have to take note of that, right? It doesn't mean that they're right, but we do have to take note of it and think, okay, they probably know something that we don't know that's coming down the road. I and I agree, and I think that if we look at what is happening, the state of the economy, the destructive bills that Congress and the Senate and Joe Biden are putting into act, we can see something building up here. We can see the, the stress uh, that is being put under the wall of the global financial system. Um, we have Japan, I mean, close to near default. China as well is under massive financial strain. 
We have uh, energy prices skyrocketing throughout all of Europe. Germany, I think they saw like, what was it, a 400% increase in the price of energy over the last month. Um, th- this isn't a good situation because all of these parts are, are cogs in the machine of the economy. And they all tie together and eventually that machine is going to run out of steam. Right. It will. Well, it will. And and we talked about this. Oh, man. When we were talking about Evergrande, uh, Josh, the, the end of 2021, right? It was the last quarter. Evergrande, largest real estate holding company in the world, defaulted in China, right? So, so what does that mean? It means they're missing hundreds of millions of dollars of interest payments every single month, not just once, but every single month. And there's a domino effect, right? You're not going to see that right away. But now, six, seven, eight months later, what are we seeing? Banks in China telling Chinese citizens, hey, you can't get money out of the bank. We simply don't have it. Well, what what are we seeing with the U.S. real estate market? We're seeing a complete reversal of the upward trend that we've seen for a, a decade because interest rates have gone up five months in a row. So people can't afford the houses. A bank is a bank is a bank is a bank. I don't care what country it's in. If they run out of capital, they're going to start with holding deposits from people. That's right. Guys, we're going to be right back with more Dr. Kirk Elliott right after a message from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Josh here. Mike Lindell of MyPillow has been an amazing patriot supporting President Trump and conservative and Christian values throughout the last four to five years with everything that's been going on. We ask you to go out to MyPillow.com and help support Mike Lindell as well as myself and this show, The Dark Delight Show, with using promo code RPP to save up to 66% on your purchase. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. The world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. And secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv patriot. The global financial system is on the verge of collapse. Here in the United States of America, we have rising inflation, rising cost of goods and services from gas to food. We have supply chain disruptions. We have the incompetent presidency of the United States of America running the U.S. dollar into the ground by debasing it, by radicalized spending and printing. There is only one thing in this world right now that is a worthy investment that has been the hedge for inflation year after year. Guys, that's gold and silver. Look, I invest in gold and silver, and there's no reason why you should not either. My buddy, Dr. Kirk Elliott, is an economist and financial advisor, and he is amazing at what he does by helping you get your 401ks, your IRAs, or just helping you purchase gold and silver bullion. You can give him a call at 720-605-3900. 
or go to getgoldtoday.com and let him know that Josh from the Red Pill Project sent you. Dark Delight with Josh Reed on the WYSL stations. All right, we are back, and we're talking to Dr. Kirk Elliott, the state of the economy. Kirk, you know, I have this uh, this news here in front of me. Target reported profit plunged 90% in the second quarter. 90% plunge in profit. They went from $1.8 billion to $183 million. Same period. <laughs> okay, so... So they've got a targets in a world of hurt when they lose 90% of their profits. And I mean, so they're from what I gather is now they're selling all of their inventory at like major discounted prices. They just mm-hmm. have to get rid of it. So if anyone wants to go shop and go to target, um, because they're getting rid of their inventory at bargain basement prices because they have to, it's like, is I think I, I read yesterday as well. And a similar story, um, I mean, Target's not necessarily a discount retailer, right? But Walmart is. Walmart's losing market share to the dollar store. <laughs> so, wow. so it's like, oh, my word. I mean, this is just a, a reflection of what's going on in the economy. Um, it is When you've got discount stores that are losing market share to other bigger discount stores, you know you've got problems. Yeah, that's right. It, it looks like Walmart is down eight to ten percent over the last quarter, which is phenomenal. Because, you know, it, it's funny because these reports from CNN Business they talk about. But the good thing is, is that the the shelves are well stocked. <laughs> that they're uh, what is what do they call it here? That uh, their inventory is thirty six percent more than they had a year ago, and up one point five percent on its inventory. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> But nobody's buying anything. And nobody's no, buying anything because everybody's not. saving. I mean I mean Target I don't view Target as, as a discounter. I, I don't. I think they're I think they're a good store. They have good stuff, right? But but they're they're hurting. I I would venture to guess without even looking that a lot of your higher end retailers, your your Nordstrom, uh, Neiman Marcuses, I mean, if if nobody's buying expensive stuff right now, they're just there's this this feeling. It's it's consumer sentiment. This is the report that we talked about last week, Josh, when it came out. And consumer sentiment is the worst that it's ever been. And it's not just in America. It's globally. It's plunging. Right? What does that mean for people? It means that, well, I don't expect the future of the U.S. or the global economy to look good moving forward. So, therefore, I'm not going to invest in it. Why would you invest? And companies that make great products like Apple or Tesla or whatever, right? If you think nobody's going to buy their stuff down the road, are very pessimistic about the growth of the economy. Consumer sentiment is is a big deal. What's a bigger deal to me is CEO sentiment, right? That report mm-hmm. is plunging as well. See, CEOs go at it even one step more. They're looking at their balance sheets. They're looking at the income statements. They're looking at the amount of revenue that they're getting from people spending money on their stuff, realizing cost of goods are going up, we're not going to hire people anymore, right? See, those are the kind of reports I start to look at when, when people are, are assessing the future of, of the domestic and global economy. Nobody right now is thinking that it's looking good, and that's going to ultimately affect the investors who will not want to invest moving forward in any company because they think that it's not going to produce a return for them. 
Yeah, and, and you know, one of the first things to go when profits start to decline is employees. And, and that's we're seeing that replicated right now in the crypto industry. In the crypto industry, I can call like kind of an immediate effect to economic policies, right? So we saw the crypto crash that came about and immediately Coinbase and uh, Genesis just is going to cut 20% of their staff. Everybody starts basically laying people off 20, 30, 40% of staff. And this is one of the first markets that gets affected the crypto industry even though it is a new industry and next is going to come big retail next is going to come the larger corporations and everybody's going to start cutting back because the profit margins aren't there and the best ways to increase your profit margins are to decrease the amount of employees because demand has gone down yeah 100 percent. i mean if if you're a business owner you know just ask all the listeners if you're a business owner and you're not selling much stuff or your restaurant owner and nobody's coming in to eat, are you going to, how long are you going to keep the staff? I mean, that's, that's the other reality and your heart says, I want to, these are families or people I love. I don't want to get rid of them. But ultimately when the, the, to me, when we're starting to see all of this right now, it means to me that, that the business owners who have a heart and they love their employees have been battling this for a long time and they just can't do it anymore. Right. This is the stage we are in the economy and it's, I think it's about to get significantly worse. I would, I'm not a betting man, right? But if I were, I would say the wheels start to really fall off between now and November. I mean, it always gets weird during an election year anyways, but this is an exceptionally different year. Um, I think the, the mudslinging, the, the, the raising of taxes, the stupid inflation creation bill that Biden signed, um, you've got more conflict overseas. You've got the talk of central bank digital currency coming down the pike in January of, of next year. I mean, there's a lot that people have to start to digest right now and, and because they're going to be voting people in and voting people out. And I think that's going to start to wreak havoc in the markets. I, I, I 100% agree. And I, I'm looking at this is a prediction that I made a while back is that by the end of September, we're probably going to see a drastic slide in the economy towards the negative, especially with these radical spending bills that they have. Um, We're probably going to see the government asking for money till the end of the year to stay alive. And they're going to probably have some type of emergency bill passed through Congress. Within this bill, potentially, the Democrats being as desperate as they are because we have panic in D.C., are going to come about and try to end the student debt, loan debt, they'll probably add that into this bill. I'm, I'm calling for that Congress is probably after September, after the end of the fiscal year, is going to produce one of the largest spending bills ever made by Congress. And they're going to do this to give people a stimulus, to get rid of the student debt relief, and uh, to basically boost their numbers for November, even though that they know doing so will crash the economy afterwards. Yeah, agreed. I agree. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a scary situation, especially if people are out there with 401ks, IRAs, various different investments, real estate, whatever it might be. Um, I mean, I'm looking right now, I see silver's down 2% today. I'm seeing gold's down uh, almost 1%. This is the perfect time to buy. Right. Perfect time to buy. I mean, the last two or three days, silver and gold have both come down for no apparent reason. 
because the last two weeks since the Fed raised rates, silver's up 11%, Josh, 11%. See, in a, in a world of full of bad news, and we've been telling people to get into silver, it went up 11% since the Fed raised rates two weeks ago, right? So now, last few days, it's just had a little bit of a downturn. We get to buy in at a discount in the midst of that pendulum-shifting moment, and that's where we can have a smile on our face in the midst of all this bad news, and we can thrive in, in a world where our freedoms are eroding. I mean, this is amazing, and I would encourage people to give us a call, follow the link that, that you offer, and, and get a free consultation with us so we can help you get out of the path of this hurricane and safeguard your assets. That's it. And for people out there, if you want to give Dr. Kirk Elliott's office a call, take down this number. It's 720-605-3900. 720-605-3900. Or visit getgoldtoday.com and you guys can schedule your appointment. Kirk, thank you so much for joining us today, my friend. We'll see you next week. You have a fantastic week as always. Guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with more Dr. Light Show. Delight with Josh Reed on the WYSL stations. All right, we are back with the Dark Delight Show. And uh, yesterday, Project Veritas came out with some breaking information. Department of Homeland Security whistleblower leaks new joint intelligence bulletin on domestic violent extremists following FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. Now, this is something that we're not new to here. I've been reporting on this uh, before probably this show started. Uh, But... February of 2022, the Department of Homeland Security's National Threat Advisory System released a bulletin. This bulletin was devised towards uh, domestic homegrown terrorism. And inside of it, they utilized some, some, some words that uh, scared and shocked a lot of people. Um, some of these things is that they are looking, on, they are looking at online and media content. For what they propose is disinformation, malinformation, and misinformation pertaining to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the conspiracy theory of the 2020 uh, stolen election, um, anything to do with patriotism. This is uh, anybody who loves the Constitution is talking about the Second Amendment, anybody who's saying that the government is corrupted. And isn't that interesting? is that the government flexes its muscles when its citizens begin to recognize that they are potentially corrupt, complicit, seditious, and treasonous. And the government comes out and starts investigating those people. And so this uh, bulletin that came out in February was marking like one of the first parts of the red flag warnings. They put out another one in June, which kind of reiterated it and created it into what's known as domestic violent extremist DVMs, DVEs. And they also put uh, MVEs, militia violent extremists. 
And uh, the one report in June, if you remember that, or actually just a few weeks ago, this is another whistleblower from Project Veritas, um, had a whole bunch of symbology pertaining to um, what they would consider violent extremists. And this symbology was the Gadsden flag. It was the Betty Ross flag. It was quotes like, the tree of liberty should be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants from Thomas Jefferson. And so anything pertaining to the Constitution or the American Revolution is what they're looking at. And note that this goes back to um, the, the former Delta Force Ranger that uh, we were talking about a few weeks ago, who made that list on that, uh, that last bulletin that Project Veritas came out. He was from the American contingency, Butler. And what he said is that he's worked with the FBI. He's worked with the DHS. He's worked with the federal government and intelligence agencies. And typically, when a bulletin like that comes out, it's recognition of that for funding. In the set, and basically saying is that, hey, we've recognized this trend. We need funding to investigate. And he's spot on right with this assessment, which means that the reason these bulletins are coming out and labeling people who are predominantly conservative in nature, who are very, very close and studied upon the American Revolution, the Constitution, and who utilize that type of symbology and who believe that conspiracies do happen, that men and women conspire against other men and women, and those people can be in government, they can be in big corporations, they can be in globalist philanthropies and non-governmental organizations, and they can conspire against other people, and we have mountains of evidence to support and substantiate that. But, basically, is they put these bulletins out there, not to tip you off, but to receive funding to investigate you and me, to look into you and me. And this goes back to something that I've talked about heavily. If you go back into the history of the United States intelligence agencies, you'll start seeing words like Pro. You'll start seeing Main Corps, Directive 51, Rex 84. And these are various different projects that the U.S. federal government, the Department of Defense, and intelligence agencies have utilized to spy on American citizens and keep names in a database and track these people and set these people up and, and, and put stuff onto them. That was uh, more COINTELPRO, where they utilized media figures, Hollywood actors, and famous people that they looked at as threats, like people like John Lennon and stuff like that. But more recently, we've had this idea that, that came out of this operation known as Rex 84 in 1984. This came out with the whole Granada trials. But basically what it was is that the federal government started looking into militias and right-wing and left-wing groups as radicalized that who could potentially take over state, local, federal government uh, with their power and the might. And so they started keeping lists of these people and tracking them and doing illegal surveillance on these people, which was a direct violation of their Fourth Amendment. Um, well, guess what? This hasn't changed. And with the birth of the Patriot Act after September 11th, we had something that came out of uh, George Walker Bush's presidential office known as Directive 51. And this was basically an amendment to the Wars Power Acts that were kind of passed back in the 1950s also which is known as Presidential Emergency Action Documents. Um, and this became part of the, uh, the Department of Defense types of bills. 
But basically what came out of Directive 51 is that in the advent of a natural disaster, cataclysm, emergency, or crises that doesn't even have to be geolocated within the United States, the federal government has the ability and authority to suspend habeas corpus, to suspend the Constitution, declare martial law, and detain anybody it perceives to be a threat to the contingency of government. And that's a pretty blanket statement, and that's very, very true of what they're talking about. Now, if we remember, there is a bill that just came out a few months ago. I'm forgetting the name of the bill now, but it reiterated all of this, that they can suspend the Constitution and they can start to detain people in the act of the contingency of government. And so when we start seeing these DHS bulletins, when we start seeing these FBI bulletins, that are internal memos to each other that are not meant for distribution to the public. And we see that they're investigating people like me, like you, people who believe in this country, people who believe that the, the United States Constitution is being undermined, people who, who know for a fact that the 2020 election was 100% stolen and there was a coup in this country and the Department of Justice, Congress, Senate, and everybody else is covering up then we become targets. And we have to understand at some point in time, they are going to utilize the power and authority that they have taken and stolen. And I got to reiterate, they have taken and stolen this power. Nothing in the Constitution grants them the ability to do this except for previous laws and maybe even corrupt Supreme Court decisions that came about that allows certain executive privilege and powers through the executive branch that allows Congress to pass laws that disobey the Constitution. we got to remember that the Constitution is a document that was created to protect and preserve the rights, the freedoms, and the liberties of Americans. Our rights, our liberties, and our freedoms are derived from our Creator. Government is instituted among men, and the government was instituted to protect and preserve them, primarily from the state's. This is why when you go through the Constitution, it's all about restricting the power of the federal government so that it cannot get that powerful, but simply so they can have a checks and balances system within their internal power structures as well as over the state, and then provide for the national defense of the country from invasion from foreign powers, as well as negotiate various types of treaties with other countries in the sense of trade and, and politics. That was really the only powers that were ever granted to the federal government. But what we, what we have seen in the last 200 plus years is we've seen a complete, complete embarrassment to the undermining of the United States Constitution. And this comes about through various different aspects. I mean, the 1800s were really where the groundwork was set for this to happen. After the War of 1812, England really kind of got their stranglehold on the United States of America by basically attacking capitalism, even though that Europe at that time was facing a, a communist revolution with the, uh, the mid-1850s and the communist revolution that occurred within Europe at that, during that time. But what happened is the capitalists, the bankers in Europe, started flooding money into various different organizations in the United States of America, including the railroad and and various uh, agricultural um, businesses, and they started funding them. And this 
kind of curved into the Civil War where the North began taking loans from the Bank of England and they tried to press the South, Southern states to do the same thing. And the Southern states wanted nothing to do with it. It really didn't have anything to do with slavery. It had everything to do with access to free and cheap money to build a country. And the Southern states didn't want to do it and they ended up going to war. And what came out of that was about... 10 years later, the Act of 1871, which incorporated much of the United States, especially the Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia, and incorporated the United States of America as a corporation, making the Senate and Congress the board of directors and the chairman of the board the president of the United States. Now, they say that this is only for business purposes and corporate legality, but really this allows them to enter into various different contracts with other corporations, banks, and institutions where they can literally sign our rights and freedoms away. And that's exactly what they did. You know, one interesting fact about the history of the United States of America that not many people know is that the U.S. Code, they tried to codify the laws of the United States of America for almost 57 years But it didn't happen until 1884 when the first codified version of the U.S. Code was actually produced. That was then replaced three years later, and then about 20 years later, it was kind of ratified. Uh, But why did it happen after 1871? Why did it happen after a civil war? Well, there's a lot of reasons why, and that's because the people that were in control, the people that were in charge, you got to remember, what's his name, Uh, Andrew Jackson, even though he was a racist Democrat, he had about six assassination attempts on his life. That's simply because he wouldn't take out loans from bankers. And so when we look at this, we know that there was this private hand that was manipulating and guiding the United States of America in the 1800s, in the 19th century, towards a centralized government faction. And really, we, we began to lose our sovereignty during this time. And when the codification of the U.S. Code and laws started to come about, and we had the corporation of the United States created, they knew that this was the time to start moving in to bring about a centralized bank. Luckily, we had some really, really good patriots in this country and some families' names that you would actually recognize that didn't want this. And the reason is, is because they were the primary financiers within this country. They were the mega billionaires in this country who were basically helping the country grow to what it was. We're going to, if you guys want to talk about it, we'll talk about more of that here in a minute. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Dark Light Show. Hey guys, Josh here. Mike Lindell of MyPillow has been an amazing patriot supporting President Trump and conservative and Christian values throughout the last four to five years with everything that's been going on. We ask you to go out to MyPillow.com and help support Mike Lindell as well as myself and this show, The Dark Delight Show, with using promo code RPP to save up to 66% on your purchase. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit The world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. And secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. 
Again, go to redpills.tv slash patriot. The global financial system is on the verge of collapse. Here in the United States of America, we have rising inflation, rising cost of goods and services from gas to food. We have supply chain disruptions. We have the incompetent presidency of the United States of America running the U.S. dollar into the ground by debasing it, by radicalized spending and printing. There is only one thing in this world right now that is a worthy investment that has been the hedge for inflation year after year. Guys, that's gold and silver. Look, I invest in gold and silver, and there's no reason why you should not either. My buddy, Dr. Kirk Elliott, is an economist and financial advisor, and he is amazing at what he does by helping you get your 401ks, your IRAs, or just helping you purchase gold and silver bullion. You can give him a call at 720-605-3900, or go to getgoldtoday.com and let him know that Josh from the Red Pill Project sent you. Dark Delight with Josh Reed on the WYSL stations. All right, we are back with the Dark Delight show. And uh, what are the names I was talking about? Well, you know, the names are actually John Jacob Astor and uh, Teddy Roosevelt. These are these are two people that we look at as elitists, as globalists, as, as people who probably didn't care too much for this country. But in actuality, these were people who cared deeply for the progression of the United States of America because they knew it was the beacon that had made them rich and would continue to make them rich into the future. The Astors, obviously, coming from the Europe dynasty, but as well um, helping build the railroads here in the United States. And they were instrumental in the sense of bringing European banks into the United States of America. But they, they, they curved the infiltration. And what do I mean by that? Well, an interesting thing happened back in uh, the late 1800s, early 1900s. So actually, right in the beginning of the 1900s. President William McKinley was assassinated. His vice president was Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt became president after this. Now what's interesting is uh, Astor had sent a letter congratulating Roosevelt on becoming president of the United States. All right? Now, the letter was sent in what, 19, this happened in 19, uh, 1902 or whatever it was. So you got to think about transportation during this time. How fast can mail travel? <laughs> well, John Jacob Astor had actually sent that letter. Um, it, it arrived in Buffalo on the day McKinley was assassinated to Roosevelt. So how did Astor know that McKinley was going to be assassinated? That, that, that letter traveled really, really fast, if you know what I mean. And the reason is, is because they, they saw what was happening to the country. So Roosevelt came in and, and kind of really saved the country. Um, he left office, didn't run for re-election, and let Howard, uh, William Howard Taft come in. And Howard Taft immediately turned neocon. He was probably one of the first neocons. By the way, was the, uh, the great, great uncle, I believe, of Bill Clinton. Um, and, and Roosevelt at the time was touring Northern Africa and so forth, came back to the United States, was incredibly angry at Taft, created the progressive party and, uh, ran against him, which basically caused Woodrow Wilson to win the election. The Democrat, actually the democratic socialist. And then we know what happened immediately after this is that Woodrow Wilson on December 24th signed the federal reserve act bill, uh, in 1913, 
allowing for the formulation of the Federal Reserve. And soon after, we had the 19th Amendment, which federal income taxes and the degradation of our country there uh, from that point on. And this is where the coup really did start. And there's a lot of things that, that led up to it, as you guys can see. And so now we've progressed another 100 plus years and we're seeing this tyranny kind of come back, but it's coming back in the sense of infiltration, coups, and government control. Our government no lo longer works for the people. It's no longer by the people or of the people. Our government is a organization that works outside of the authority of the people and only works for the best interest of itself. And you can see this whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. If you look at any politician on that side of the House, and I've pointed this out in multiple different times, right? Like uh, I got an article right here about Jim Jordan talking about 13 FBI informants have come forward with the radicalization of the FBI and the things that they are doing and investigating that is scaring them that can undermine the American Constitution that is violating American civil rights. And Jim Jordan, a congressman, you know, he's talking about how we're going to have hearings about this. Well, great, you can have hearings about this. But here's the thing is what does that do for us now? What does that do for the United States of America now? We have this radical, corrupt regime that is controlled by China and globalists that is implementing a tyrannical police state into the United States of America. What is Jim Jordan doing now? And then I go back to the example of Ron Johnson. In February of 2022, Ron Johnson held a, uh, an open forum where people could testify. And we had uh, to Attorney Todd Callender, Attorney, Ted, uh, Attorney Tom, Ron, Tom Rentz, Attorney uh, Lee Dundas, three people I know very, very well. You had Dr. Robert Malone. You had Dr. Peter McCullough. All testify on the poisonous bioweapons known as the vaccines. And they were basically talking about a DOD whistleblower's um, disclosure of a report known as Project Salus, where you're seeing four-digit increases in percentage of the amount of cancers and the amount of deaths and the amount of strokes and heart attacks. I mean, 2,687% increase in cancers in our military service members within a one-year period. Now, Ron Johnson takes this and he puts an, a letter out to uh, Secretary of Defense Austin and nothing happens. And this was back in February. He puts out another letter in, in June. Hey, I'm reminding you, I need this information and nothing happens. You know, eight, seven months go by and think about how many people have potentially lost their life or lives are ruined because they decided to get that shot in that time. And people in the Senate and Congress aren't speaking out and they're not having the appropriate hearings, bringing this information to the Congress, to the Senate, and then to the people. This is atrocious. And the reason is, is because Pfizer, Merck, Moderna fund both parties equally, and they can't come out and speak against the people that primarily fund their campaigns. They need to retain power. They need to keep and hold on to their power so they can be in the authority to do something when needs to be done. Well, guess what? Something needs to be done right now, and they're doing nothing. And I don't care if they're patriotic. I don't care if they're Republican or if they have an R by their name. They're not doing anything. Think about Dr. Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul. How much information does he have on Anthony Fauci? We know for a fact, a fact, that people within the truth community, including Robert F. Kennedy, have gave Rand Paul stacks upon stacks of criminal charges against Dr. Fauci, of, of, of information, evidence, 
that takes Dr. Fauci down. All he has to do is take it over to the DOJ and it's done. And this guy goes to jail and absolutely nothing has been done. And Rand Paul comes out today and says, well, you know what? When we take back the House and the Senate, then, then we'll investigate the origins of COVID. Why don't you investigate it now? Because you don't have the majority? Well, that's not the way government works. You need to open up these investigations. And what you need to do is inform the public of this information. It's not necessarily about bringing about change in Congress and Senate or getting an indictment through the DOJ, but more so about informing the public. Because if the public start to hear this from senators and from congressmen, and senators and congressmen are going on Fox News, MSNBC, CBS, whatever it is, and they're shouting at the top of their lungs, this is a bioweapon, Fauci's a criminal, he funded this. If they're doing this on a daily basis, people will wake up. And when people wake up, when the masses wake up, when you have that critical mass of numbers, then Congress and Senate can have the hearings for real. Then you get partisan support of taking these people down because now they become the fall guy so that the congressmen and senators don't lose their power so they don't get arrested. And we're not seeing that happen. And that should scare everybody out there that we're not seeing this happen. The fact that we don't see that happen means that these people are in bed with evil. And we need to replace them too. And yes, we're going to get American first candidates in there. We're going to get people who understand what is happening, truly understand what's happening in the world. And we're going to get investigations. We're going to get criminal inquiries. But that's only if this election isn't stolen. It's only if we have a free and fair election. And we have to stand up, rise up, and protect this election like never before. The sanctity of this country, the, the future of this country is at risk. That's all the time I have for you with the Dark Delight Show today. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. We'll see you tomorrow on another episode of the Dark Delight Show. Take care.